coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere in the northern hemisphere waiting out the alien apocalypse. He is armed with a machete and a microphone. Join Michael James as he seeks answers to the paranormal, conspiracies, ancient mysteries, and the occult. Are you ready to trip the fuck out? This is... Beyond the Forbidden. Well, let me take the first point, because it's a very, very articulately made one. And I, I don't think, I mean, I've done a lot of interviews, and I don't think anyone has quite put it as as well as you put it there. I wrote it, let I wrote me it, I wrote it down. I can read it again. I wrote it down last <laughs> night, so. <laughs> well, it was from the heart. It Absolutely. was. And, and it, here's the thing. Governments, I don't have to tell you this, but... But for for the people watching, governments don't do apologies very well. In fact, they hardly do them at all. What's up, guys? If you aren't already, follow me on all my social medias and go to Facebook and search Beyond the Forbidden or at Beyond the Forbidden. Go to Instagram, same thing. Search Beyond the Forbidden or at Beyond the Forbidden. Go to Twitter, search Beyond the Forbidden TV or at Forbidden underscore TV. And also, if you're watching this other on other platforms other than YouTube, just go to YouTube and search Beyond the Forbidden TV. Subscribe. Also, Peter Badwolf, he helps me a lot on my behind the scenes, and he's he's my Facebook page manager. Go to his YouTube, search Badwolf66, and also his other channel, Badwolf Gamer, and also his Twitter page, Badwolf66 at Badwolf66. The O is a zero, and I'll get the links in the description below. And thank you very much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Over the past several years, I've been wanting to get you on the show, but I know you're busy. You're extremely busy. What, well, how, what makes you, how do you, cause you're, you're, you're spending out lectures, comp, you're going to conferences, um, you're on ancient aliens, you're everywhere. What, what, what's that fire? What's that spark that keeps you just going all the time, Nick? Well, I think it's, it's just the enormity of the question, are we alone or not in the universe? And, and the related question, are we being visited? As I often say, these are two of the biggest and most profound questions that we can ask. But unlike some of the other big philosophical questions, this one might be quite easy to get an answer. I mean, we might get an answer to this one uh, like today, tomorrow, next week. And with the things going on in Congress right now, for example, and we can we can get into that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But Congress pushing for answers from from the DoD and from the intelligence community, NASA after decades of of denial on this issue and saying we're not interested, now gearing up to do their own study. James Webb Space Telescope out there beaming back incredible images of the cosmos. I mean, you got to wonder: uh, is it only a matter of time now? So, so it's that sense of impending excitement that keep, keeps me fascinated by this, keeps me engaged. I mean, I did this, obviously, for the British government years and years ago. I took early retirement a long while ago. But <laughs> but you, you can't walk away from this. It's just too interesting and too important in terms of its societal impact. We definitely live in strange and awesome times right now, Nick. And today... I believe it's 60 years ago today, correct? When JFK had that, and we're not going to stay on this, this topic at all, but um, when JFK, I believe he was at Rice University and September 12th of 1962, the only reason why I'm bringing this up, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this de decade and do other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we will we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win. And this that was September 12th, 1962. So big question is, and we're not going to stay on this topic, 
the big question is there's so many conspiracy theories out there. Did we actually go to the moon during those Apollo missions? Yes, I'm convinced we did. And I think there are a number of, I think, very scientifically sound reasons uh, to say so. I mean, firstly, they brought back, have brought back from, from the various missions, a lot of moon rocks. And because the moon really doesn't have any significant atmosphere, the moon, I mean, rocks and material on the moon is geologically different and, and it's exposed to different cosmic rays than, than we're exposed to down here, mm. protected by, by the atmosphere. So, so there are important sort of chemical, geological differences in the moon rocks that, that scientists can tell. And it's not just like it's one scientist at NASA. It's, it's like so many scientists, um, not, not just government scientists for NASA, but, but at all sorts of private institutions. So, yeah, sure, you could say, well, maybe all of those are in on the conspiracy too. But I think it gets harder and harder. The more and more people that are involved, the more and more different organizations that they work for, universities, etc. So that's one reason. Another reason is that they left up there, like basically a, a big mirror for, for want of, I mean, the, the technical term is it's the lane, laser range finding uh, experiment. But because the moon drifts away from the earth about, I think it's, uh, I don't know, an, an inch, yeah, inch and a half it's, it's a year small. or something, but you can measure that and and the way that you measure it is you fire a laser and and now of course they left this thing on the moon and the, the laser bounces back and you can tell exactly what what time you you fired it what time it comes back and do the exact measurement well that only works because that reflector is up there so so and and there's a whole bunch of other reasons yeah. as as well and i i haven't met many of the astronauts but i met i met one edgar mitchell and he was in many senses a conspiracy theorist i mean mm. he believed that the government was not being fully truthful about ufos but i had no doubt this guy went to the moon so the reason why you're here of course ufos extraterrestrials the pentagon um and so nick back in to, uh, December, I believe it was 16th of 2017. What were your initial thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm trying to lay some groundwork uh, for the remaining of the show, but what were your initial thoughts when you first saw that headline in the New York Times talking about the Pentagon's UFO program? Well, sure. It didn't surprise me because, of course, I'd, I'd investigated UFOs for the British government, and it was inconceivable to me that the U.S. government wasn't doing the same. I, I know the public line, of course, was that the US government wasn't interested, hadn't been doing any investigations since Project Blue Book was closed down at the end of 69 for a number of reasons, both, both to do with my UK government job, but just sheer common sense for a number of reasons. I knew that that couldn't be true. I could, it simply couldn't be true. And of course, picked up the New York Times, December 16th, 2017. There it was, front page. Uh, the, the DOD had a, a program. It was run out of the, the DIA for a, a, a while. It was called ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. There's still debate about exactly what it did, but it, it, it's clear that at some level they looked at UFOs. And in parallel with that, the Times broke the story about these US Navy videos that everyone's seen. And, and of course, they only ran that story because they went to the, the Pentagon, uh, the, the Times journalists, and, and said, we're going to run this story, but we want to comment. And obviously, we want a uh, confirmation that, yes, this was a, a government program. And yes, these videos are genuine. They're not just something someone's made on on YouTube. And, and they were like, yeah, we had a program called ATIP and yeah, those those are genuine US Navy videos. So, so decades of denial were turned on, on its head uh, overnight. And that opened the floodgates for everything that's happened in the last four and a half years. And again, I'm sure we can get into some of that, but yeah. just off the top of my head, the list includes classified briefings in Congress. At one 
public hearing, the preliminary assessment from the um, Office of the Director of National Intelligence, um, the fact that there are multiple UFO-related provisions in the legislation now, uh, the latest being the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2023, and that will doubtless be rolled into the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2023. So, so lots going on and more photos coming out more videos coming out more whistleblowers coming out it's all happening right now and we will touch on some of that and when all that that came came out in december 2017 i actually had and i'm sure you know him and you probably met him i actually was interviewing richard uh richard hoagland and and richard hoagland he came on he said uh mike all right, whatever whatever you had planned, we aren't talking about that. We're talking about what was released today. I said I was busy working at the time. I was at my, my old job. I, I I worked a lot on the road, and I came in that day. And he says, "Did you see what was just released?" I said, "No." What? And so he explained everything. And so all the notes I had for that interview had to go out the window because we actually covered a little bit about those news articles and all of that. But um, so in your opinion, uh, still trying to lay out a little bit of groundwork, what was that disclosure, Nick, in your opinion, or was the Pentagon UFO program that was released actually confirmation instead of disclosure? I think it's a little bit of both. And as, as always, it depends how you define these terms. I think the UFO community often regard disclosure as a single event. And I, I often kind of say that, that disclosure as envisaged by the UFO community is, is sudden announcement of a, a White House press conference and, and all the networks are doing a simulcast and you see the president and it's my fellow Americans, people of the world, we're not alone. And that's the kind of disclosure fantasy that the UFO community has. And I think in some senses it is a fantasy because I don't know. I mean, it, it would be great if that happened, but I think it's going to be more subtle, more gradual, and we're probably in the middle of it right now. Um, so I think your point about confirmation is maybe closer to the truth that that's part of it. But I think the other part is it really genuinely depends what there is to disclose. If the US government or elements of the US government 100% know that there is extraterrestrial visitation and they've got the goods somewhere, literally crashed, crashed spaceship at Roswell, hidden away in, in the hangar, then fair enough, you can have that single moment of disclosure. But I sometimes wonder if, if the situation we're dealing with isn't a little bit more nebulous and, and unclear and I, I think it's like there are factions in the U.S. government. And I, when people say to me, what's going on right now? What's, what's the last four and a half years been about? I sometimes answer by saying the believer faction is making its move. And I think there is, there's an element of that. But what if they don't have that smoking gun or, or don't have access to it? So they can't do this big reveal. So it has to be a little bit more, well, we think there's something. There may be something. Some of us believe that there's something. And here's some of the evidence, some videos, some declassified documents, some still photos, uh, some testimony from some of the intelligence community personnel involved with these sorts of programs. High-level testimony from, from former presidents, from mm -hmm. former directors of national intelligence, from former... CIA directors. We've got all this now. This a few years ago, this was just this was just something that people in the UFO community dreamt of, and it's all come to pass. But it still hasn't really delivered disclosure with a big D. Just disclosure with a little D, maybe. What? And I, I, may, I may actually say it a few times in this uh, interview, this podcast, Nick. Is what we need is full spectrum disclosure. What I, I'm not saying like an ET land on the White House lawn. We need we need something more tangible, like where the whole world just wakes up. But before we get in on that, you kind of said something that sparked 
what I was going to talk about, um, but we're, we're still going to stay on this topic. But ever since um, December 2017, Nick, now everybody that's that's listening, please do not get me wrong. And a lot of you may relate. Ex- ex- uh, and I'm sure you, uh, Nick, and so many other researchers that have been doing this for far, a lot longer than a lot of us that are probably watching this, you know, I've, I've been pretty much doing this since 06, 07, but I may sound bitter, Nick, but I feel like all of us in this, I like to say this UFO culture that have been researching UFOs and extraterrestrials after all these years, and even all the researchers, including yourself, that are uh, no longer with us anymore, like Stanton Freeman, I feel like we need almost like an apology from the government, mainstream media, and even the cl- closed-minded people that would make fun of people like you, me, and so many others uh, out there who are believers in this phenomenon. It's almost like the average Joe, the government, and the mainstream media has jumped on the bandwagon and forgot about all of us whom have crawled through the pits of hell being a believer in this phenomenon. It's a fad now. It's hip. It's in the pop culture to a degree. Like I said, I know I may seem bitter, Nick, but I've, I have lost friends. I have had several girlfriends in the past that, that left me uh, for believing in this uh, in the UFOs and alien phenomenon. I've been through a lot of trials and tribulations as well as the OG UFO believers over the years. And again, since it's a fad and everyone is jumping on the bandwagon now, makes me wonder if we have... If what we have seen the past several years may only be a part of a psyop to help push forward a controlled narrative, what do you think about that, Nick? Well, let me take the first point because it's a very, very articulately made one. And I I don't think, I mean, I've done a lot of interviews and I don't think anyone has quite put it as as well as you put it there. I wrote it it down. I can read it again. I wrote it down last night. So. Well, it was from the heart. It Absolutely. was. And, and it, here's the thing. Governments, I don't have to tell you this, but, but for, for the people watching, governments don't do apologies very well. In fact, they hardly do them at all. You will seldom hear government people say, we were wrong and we apologize. And when you do hear it, it's refreshing. But here's, here's what I... Picking up on your point, here is what I would like to see to address the exact point that you have raised. We have now a number of congressional representatives who who are now convinced that there are serious defense and national security issues here. They don't necessarily profess to know the true nature of the UFO phenomenon, but they are pushing for answers. And you know, it's it's what's great about it is it's across the political divide. So you've got people like Marco Rubio, but also Kirsten Gillibrand. But but there's three, four, five, six, six others. And again, across the party divide. I would like to see when we get the next public hearings on this. We've had one already, and it was it was a subcommittee of the House Intelligence Committee. I think. I think the smart money says we will get more public hearings. Here is what I would like to see. I would like to see one of those congressional representatives put down their sheet of paper, look the government briefer in the eye, and make a point pretty much like the point you just made, and say, I would like to use my time, Chairman, to ask this. Will you apologize to all the people who were ridiculed and disbelieved sometimes by the government for researching this or for talking about a sighting when you, the government, are now sitting in front of us saying we are studying this and it's a potential national security threat. Will you look straight down into the camera and say, I apologize to those people and I apologize to the American people. It, it, it I'd would love be, to see it. I would too. I would too. And, I, and, and, and it's just not the government too. And no. I'm, I'm sure and you, I, I'm sure you've you lost know, I friends have... too, you know, and I've lost friends and girlfriends. Now I'm glad I've lost all those girlfriends because I would not have probably met the love of my life now, but 
we have been through the pits of hell, Nick. I'm telling you. I know you have, and so many other people that's been doing this way longer than I have. Well, know? I've had it easy. I, I've, I, I'm not going to play the martyr here. I, I've had it easy. Because I did this for the government, I, I never got ridiculed. I mean, in fact, I, got, I probably got you know, portrayed as the bad guy in, in a lot of this for years. And I suppose it, to a certain extent, I was. I, I mean, I, I, never liked, I never liked to have to deploy the Nuremberg defense of I was only following orders. But obviously, anyone that looked at this subject for the government, we, we did have a policy on this, a script to follow, so to speak. And, and now, I suppose you could say that within the confines of my security oath, because I'm not going to second guess what's classified and what isn't. I consider myself a patriot and and mm-hmm. you know loyal. Yeah. I I abide. I don't divulge classified information. Firstly, because it's illegal, mm-hmm. and secondly, because I take my oath of loyalty seriously. And and it's not for me to to arrogantly sit in judgment and say what I think is and isn't classified. Because I'm a little bit time expired with some of this, and some of the people doing the job now may say, you know what, there are very good reasons for keeping elements of this classified, because don't forget, you know, once you tell the American people, you're telling everyone who's listening, and that's going to be Russia and China and, and others too, North Korea and Iran. So so we do have to be careful with this. We can't just say, okay, let's let's disclose everything straight away, much as, as people want that. And I, I get that. I understand it. But well, I've well had said. it easy, so I'm... Like I say to you, I'm not gonna, I'm I, not gonna play the martyr here. I, I doubt but, you've had it. I, I know, but I doubt you've had it. But there are, are martyrs out there, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Um, they stated that the UFO program started back in 2017 or 2007 and ended it in 2012. Are we just to assume and trust that? And I know what I may be saying may seem skeptical, but. These are a lot of things I've heard people that follow me, things I've seen in comments, the, I guess the late layman's perspective, you know? So are we to assume and trust that they are saying about how long this program lasted? I believe that the program has been going on for far longer than a few years, and I'm sure it costs more than $22 million. I also believe that it's possible that the UFO UAP program was funded possibly by some of that speculation of course that 2.3 trillion dollars that donald rumsfeld stated was unaccounted for a day before 9 11 in september of 2001 what's your thoughts on that nick yeah i mean it's i believe it lasted different. longer than four or five years the program, yeah I, I mean look put it this way it, it goes million. back to, sure it goes back to what i said earlier about it, clearly it was a nonsense to suggest that no one in the u.s government was looking at this when we knew that pilots were seeing these things. We knew that radar operators were tracking them. We knew that speeds, maneuvers, and accelerations that seemed significantly ahead of anything in our own inventory were being reported and validated across multiple platforms, not just radar, but the forward-looking infrared um, cameras, uh, weapon seeker, electro-optical, satellites, uh, the whole whole range. It's multi-platform. So... So, of course, it's crazy to say um, that that the program was 2007 to, to 2010 or 2012. There's, there's a debate about all this. Look, even if that's technically true, my point is, well, there was just a different program doing it at the other times. They either changed the name or they changed the agency or they changed both. But in in all of... in in military parlance, you'll, you'll, I mean, I was a civilian employee of the UK Ministry of Defence, but I work very closely with, with military colleagues on a lot of, of this. You'll know better than I that the phrase that you always hear with a lot of this is, is mission continuity. Mm. And, and you know, to, to have this phenomenon in United States airspace and to say that oh, we'll look at it for some of the time, but not all of the time. That's crazy. There's got to be continuity of the mission here. And when one person hands it off, they hand it off to somebody else. When one program is terminated, another program 
takes its place. Now, on the money, there's an interesting point about this that that not a lot of people factor in. People say, oh, you know, uh, $22 million, that's not a lot of money. And it's not in terms of defense budgets, obviously. But what, what a lot of people don't realize is most of the things that you need to investigate UFOs properly from within government are already funded. Our military satellites are already up there and funded. Our radar systems are already funded. The Our investigators, jets, the investigators, people the investigators, on the ground. The, yeah. the resources, yeah. the capabilities, whether it's it's Mazint, uh, whether it's Imint, whether it's SIGINT, whatever it is, it's all that is there. So very often with, with looking at UFOs or UAP, whatever you want to, to call them, it's not a question of let's get some fresh money, though, though additional funds are always welcome. It's a question of getting the time on those assets that are already funded and leveraging the resources and capabilities that we already have. Exactly. And do, do you think that, and we're going to get into some of these briefings also, but um, do you think that, of course, some of this is speculation and people, if, if we're speculating, don't put us in the reamer. We're just having a conversation here of what maybe his, all of his years of research has come to and maybe some of mine. But do you think that the Project Blue Book never really ended and it's kind of been maybe little smaller programs, uh, um, micro programs here and there ever since when we they said blue book ended sure in in fact i think it's uh i don't have it in front of me but i i believe it's in black and white somewhere in some of the documents uh the documentation associated with wind up of project blue book where there's the throwaway line and it says something like sightings which fall under uh national security auspices will be handled under uh existing separate arrangements yeah it's there, it's there in black mm -hmm. and white I, I, mean, I, th look, I, I think I know which one you're talking about. I remember yeah, seeing something like that. Yeah. I think it's special report 14 or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, whatever it was, I mean, the point is if there's something in our airspace seen by pilots tracked on radar, nobody's going to ignore that just because project blue books wound up. No one's going to say, Oh, you know what? I'm not, not reporting that up the chain of command because, because blue book, got axed no they're going to report it to somebody yeah and these uh these tic tac ufos um or uaps and a lot of the people it's, it's funny nick and i'm sure you may you may agree but a lot of pe the people that are jumping on the scene now um and that are becoming i guess they think they think it's cool to believe in this or or they're just following it following this this subject ever since 2017 and w which is cool we, we, we need more we need more recognition out there i agree but <laughs> whenever they uh, i've talked to one guy he's basically been following this ever since fox news broke it 2017 18 something like that tucker carlson he started doing his interviews and i told him man these tic tac uh uaps these things really I said it could be might be a little speculation on my part, but these things really have been around for a long time, possibly like cigar shaped craft. Like over after all these yeah, years, yeah. that's been spotted by witnesses. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. It's one of the, I think one of the, and you mentioned, and I haven't yet kind of come back on this point, but you mentioned the idea of a psyop, and I think that's very interesting because yeah. because when when for nearly 80 years, the government has been pushing one way on this subject, you know, and that, that way is, is I characterize it as, as deny, debunk and downplay. When you've had 75, 80 years of that, and then suddenly you have this 180 degree flip of the narrative mm. and it's the government to some extent, or elements of the government promoting this and putting it in the public eye, you think, well, it's it's it it is like this narrative flip, and why? And the question of why is one of the most interesting 
things of all. And, and generally speaking, when the government says to you, hey, look at this, look over here and, and points, as to some extent they are doing now with, with the UFO kind of material, you've got to wonder, what is it while they're pointing over here and saying, look at this, what's going on over there that they don't want you to see? Yep. They're pointing, so, they're pointing and, and they're, they're doing some other stuff over here. They may yeah. not necessarily, I, I see what you're saying. They may not necessarily be lying all the time. You know, no, they, they just may be, they may be showing you one thing, but they're working on this other thing. And I know how that is. I, I, I was in the military, military police, and I've, I've worked with intelligence a lot. And I know how, I know how that works. Um, but the way I describe it. I, I sometimes use the analogy, imagine the government, particularly intelligence ops, as like a magician waving his arm around with with something very you know, noticeable, whatever it is, pack of cards, mm -hmm. whatever. Pay no attention to that. Try and see what his other, what's going on in his other hand behind his, his arm at back and up his sleeve. That's where the answer is. So... Yep. So there's an element of that, and some of this, not all of it, but some of this may well be a psyop. And, and you've got to think, sometimes in history, the government have occasionally, for example, with, with secret prototype aircraft, it suited them when some of this is reported as, as flying saucers as opposed to spy planes because they're trying to hide the fact that it's a spy, spy plane. So that's, that's maybe a, a part of it. But, but yeah, the, there's a lot to unpack with, with this. Um, is all of it a PSYOP? I don't think so. Is some of it a PSYOP? Very possibly. So the briefing, the congressional briefing hearing back in May, correct? I believe yes. I believe it was May. I was that was awesome to have that. Uh, I know it's been a, a long time in the making, um, but I was a little disappointed because you could tell just like what we're they didn't want to touch on certain issues. I understand there there's a what they say you have the you got to worry about the the security of the nation. You know the you have to worry about because the more intel you have that you keep in your hands, the more you are able to control the narrative or whatever it may be to keep all the, uh, the rest of the information out of the enemy's hands. I understand. I know, I know how that works, but I wish I, I felt like they could have gave us a few more breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? I was a little disappointed. Uh, what, what, yeah. was, what, what, what was your initial thoughts about that, that briefing back in, uh, in May and, and, um, I know you was talking right before the show about some, some, some other ones that are coming down the road possibly. Yes. I think the most important thing about the briefing is that it happened in the first place. So, mm -hmm. so that's, I, I guess my opening position on that. And, and I think it goes back to a, a point you made in your, your last question, which I didn't really uh, get around to responding to. And I, I apologize for that. I should do it now. Yeah, the Tic Tacs have been around for a while. And yet the government is pushing a narrative that this all somehow magically started in 2004. And, and you know, you'd, you, looking at that House briefing, you would think that, all of this started in 2004 with the USS Nimitz Tic Tac incident, and of course that's a nonsense. This is a this is a phenomenon with a near 80 year backstory, and that's just the modern era uh -huh. of it. I mean, some people say it goes back to history, and, and you know, the dawn of time, and, and uh -huh. all, all of that. But we probably don't have time to get into yeah. to cave paintings. No, and, no, and <laughs> no. He, 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 he's, he's, that. just everybody listening, you know, uh, Nick, Nick has been on many of documentaries and ancient aliens. Of course, he, he's, he seemed like you see him on a, it's pretty good bit, Nick. Uh, but yeah, we don't have time that that's, that's for a future show, but well, what, what was your, I guess you, you stated earlier about some more public hearings that may be coming down the road or, or 
what have you heard that that may give us some more breadcrumbs of uh of the the interest within the government? Well, I, I mean, the first thing is is just going back to that May uh, hearing in in the House. Of course, what was readily apparent was how dissatisfied some of the congressional representatives were yeah. with the answers that they were getting. So, for example, um, there was a question about. USOs, these the I mean Lou Elizondo talks about transmedium travel. We talk about these these objects detected traveling at vast speeds under the ocean. There was one question about that, and then the, the briefer was was instantly batted that away by saying, Well, we'll we'll take that in the classified uh section, the closed session after after the public hearing. So that was interesting. Uh, as I say. Anything pre-2004 was kind of met with almost incredulity from, from the government side when, when one of the reps asked about clearly asked about the 1967 Maelstrom um, Air Force Base incident. There were kind of blank looks and a sort of, mm -hmm. yeah, we might have something. We're going to have to look it up. And so I think there was a feeling from a lot of the congressional representatives that firstly, they were trying to push this false narrative that this all started in 2004 when it didn't. And secondly, allied to that, frankly, they weren't as well briefed on some of these flagship historical cases as they should have been. And that's why some of the language that's gone into the next round of legislation says, I want the General Accounting Office, or we, Congress, want the, the GAO to go back to January 1st, 1947. And, and we want answers on, on incidents, programs, documents, films, whatever it is. And that date, 1947, hasn't been picked by accident. I mean, that, of course, 1947 is Kenneth Arnold's flying saucer sighting and Roswell. Mm -hmm. so, so that's one thing. Now, to answer your question about what lies ahead, um, clearly both in the Senate and in the House, we now have a situation where the intelligence committees and the armed services committees, and to some extent the appropriations committees too. But but I think for the for the purposes of this, let's just say intelligence and armed services have gotten intrigued enough about what they've been told. And and some of what they've been told, of course, we've not been told because it's it's been in classified versions and, and closed sessions. But they've been intrigued enough about this to want another bite of the cherry or or at least one more bite of the cherry. So, look, it's mandated in the legislation that there are going to be further reports periodically, one annual public report. But I think I think more frequent um classified reports that go to Congress only. So that lies ahead. And I think I've I've lost track of exactly what the due date is. I think it may be as soon as October that that certainly Congress is due for another one. Uh, but look, there, there are going to be more public hearings as well and, and more closed briefings for sure. Uh, Chris Mellon, who who served as a, an undersecretary of defense um, in, in the intelligence portfolio un, under at least two presidents mm -hmm. has, has talked about this. And he's, he's very clear. He thinks, and he's got the ear of course, of a number of, of people on the Hill, both, both, you know, congressional representatives and staffers. He's very clear. I mean, listen, if you want to know what's, what's going on, listen to, Listen to what he says and, and read between the lines of, of what he says, too. He's clear, I think, that, mm -hmm. that there's going to be more of the same. I'm hearing this, too. Um, so, so expect to see the intelligence committees and the armed services committees having more briefings, holding more public hearings, perhaps calling more witnesses, maybe, maybe people who've run some of these programs, maybe some of the, the pilots, the radar operators. But here's the big thing. The big thing is this. It's the amnesty issue. One of the most important things in the draft legislation 
is the intention to give an amnesty to anyone who feels that they have information on this subject, but feels they can't come forward and talk about it because they would be breaking an NDA. And so what the legislation now says is give those people an amnesty, release them from any extant NDAs, and enable them to testify. And that is very, very interesting. And that, I think, is the big one to watch, how that plays out over the next few months. What if that whistleblower, whoever that that was that, that got the amnesty, what if they had information or physical proof or whatever evidence of maybe some of these metamaterials? Well, I think that would be fascinating, but I think it's it's got to be more than just testimony. It's got to be more than someone yeah. even, you know, it's got to be more than just someone telling a story. And and some of these people who have talked about this, and I'm talking about former presidents such as President Trump and President Obama. I'm talking about former CIA directors, um, Woolsey, Brannon, mm-hmm. um, uh, others maybe. I'm talking about former DNIs like John Ratcliffe. If these people are released from their NDAs and get the amnesty, I think these same people who are quite happy to go on you know, Fox News or CNN and, and make comments about this should stand full square behind those people and say, yeah, I, I saw that testimony and I too was briefed about those programs and and because otherwise if if those people don't get top cover they're just going to be branded as as whistleblowers and malcontents and mavericks you you need the people at the top of the shop mm-hmm. to to come out and stand with them and maybe maybe some of those people testify too <laughs> but you know I'm only half joking about this because because look this has been tried before. The GAO did a, an inquiry into Roswell in, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And Secretary of the Air Force, Sheila Widnall, did, did a sort of limited version of the amnesty. But my point is this. If some of these programs are so highly classified and, and deeply compartmentalized, even the okay from the Secretary of the Air Force might not cut it. There might be some some old guy sitting somewhere saying, you know, I saw the secretary of the Air Force released me from this, but unless I hear it from the president, unless it's an order from the commander in chief, I think this might be still classified. So I think I think amnesty is fine, but I think it's got to be an order from the commander in chief if you know something about this, so that we can just get this out of the the way for once and for all. The, the easiest way to solve the the cover up the conspiracy thing is is to for the president of the United States to issue an order as commander in chief and say but I order you to come forward and testify to Congress about any UFO UAP related information that you hold but because there are let's not Let's not kid ourselves here. There are some some crazies and some wannabes here. But so it's not just I order you to testify. It's if if anyone comes forward with false testimony, that's going to be a federal offense and we will come knocking on your door. Because there's been there's been 80 years of of confusion about this. If we're serious about clearing it up, let's let's have the right carrot but the right stick too. Well said, Nick. Well said. Um, we have about 10 minutes left, and but whatever these UAPs and Tic Tacs are, uh, could be released by our own government and possibly, let's say, I've, I've heard stuff like this uh, in the next major uh, war, like j- just like the stealth bomber did back in the first Gulf War. If these, cra- if they, if they are ours, if they are if they aren't extraterrestrial in origin, uh, if they are actual, maybe ours or some other government, but if these craft aren't piloted by extraterrestrials, I'm pretty much on the side of believing that some 
major world power and possibly even China is behind these craft. But the bottom of my gut tells me, Nick, that they are they are ours and they, the shadowy figures behind the United States government, know exactly what they are and are consistent consistently um, deceiving us by playing dumb and giving the world a strong poker face. Now, I'm not saying everybody in the government. I feel like there's just a few that what we saw in the, the hearing back in May, you can clearly tell with some of these officials, you can clearly tell that some of them mean well and that, that and some of them are just ignorant. But it's just like with JFK, you know, um, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist at all, um, but just like with JFK uh, or, you know, the saying that when a new president comes in office, they show them a, the footage of the JFK assassination, you know, this is how it's going to be. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of rambling on, but do you think that these U UAPs and Tic Tacs are, are a product of, let's say, of UFO retrievals back in the past or and or do you think that the ones that we are seeing today that maybe the the military and and others that they're spotting these these tic tacs do you think that they're ours and and um and that let's say the reason why that we haven't come forward because we are sit we're saving that information that intelligence for possibly the next uh, world war. Well, as as you probably know better than me, but in the shadowy world of intelligence, sometimes you try and hide a capability that you possess and invent a capability that you don't possess. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of this is about hiding things from adversaries. Sometimes it's about getting adversaries to waste time and money and resources on chasing something that's not there. So there's mm -hmm. all of this goes into the mix. Look, my position is this. I think that the, the smartest line in that ODNA, um, o ODNI, pardon me, preliminary assessment from June 25th, 2021, was, was the line where they said that look, there is not a single answer to this. There are likely lots of different things going on. So when we, we look at this, um, is some of it our own tech being blind tested by one part of the military on another? Very possibly. Is some of it adversary tech? You know, people talk a lot about drone swarms and AI controlled drone swarms from China and things like that. Very possibly. Uh, is is something? Is un another part of this something else? Something perhaps rather more exotic. Absolutely, possibly. So, so I think I think we're not going to get a single neat solution. There isn't going to be a parting of the curtain and somebody saying to you and pointing and saying, "This is it. This is the answer to the UFO phenomenon." You're going to have a whole bunch of different things going on. And to go back to your other point, yeah, I I have huge sympathy. I I didn't mean to be too critical. Perhaps I was a little harsh on the briefers. No, no you the, weren't. Because I have huge sympathy. I've been in that position before. And you know, you you're only as good as the briefing that you get from your your staff. Mm -hmm. And for those people, they they doubtless prepped for for days, if not weeks and more. And they thought, what are the likely questions that you'll get? Okay, tic tac, um, you know, Lou Elizondo, um, A tip or SAB. Um, the, the the Nimitz, the Gimbal, the Go Fast, and perhaps even the best briefers in the world didn't necessarily figure. Well, what about this case from 1967? What about this case from 1956? What about this case from you know 19? And, and it's like you know, it's the list goes on. So I have huge sympathy. I, I mean, the deep specialists that you see in the civilian UFO community on this, who, who know the minutiae of some obscure case from the, the 40s or the 50s, and, and you've got some poor person testifying in front of, of Congress who's, who's got a, a brief on, on the, the 
tic-tac and on the the go fast and the gimbal and then they're they're leafing through their brief and they're looking at the other guy and they're like wait wait which is, is this kexberg is this maelstrom is this rendlesham mm -hmm. is this mm -hmm. cash landrum what what is this one and, and so there's a certain degree of you know sir ma'am we're gonna have to circle back with you on that <laughs> and and well said nick again but i feel like uh with remaining time we have I, f I feel like one of the main issues that we have that's kind of keeping us stagnated with this i guess full spectrum disclosure in the in this ufo culture that we live in but i feel like there's just so many factions you know what i mean just like i was in the government i don't consider myself a bad evil you know um person there are a lot of great people in in, in the government military um in dc absolutely but there's so many factions and all it takes is just a few bad apples to spoil the butt to spoil the to spoil the rest and i feel like there could possibly i know this because this is a little more conspiratorial but i feel like there's you have these several different factions and they're butting heads because maybe they have their own narrative they're pushing or their own personal gain their personal agendas what, what what are those we don't know but i feel like whenever I, I read read these articles and i watch fox news watch cnn i hear louis elizondo talking about you know every, everything going on and so everything when, when i'm when i'm keeping up with all of this i get a sense that there's just this infighting um with these maybe with certain different factions several factions within the government you know what I mean? Do you get that same yeah. vibe too, Nick? Very much. I think I, I mentioned, I think right at the top of the interview, uh, I used the phrase that the believer faction is making its move. And I see that that, that mm -hmm. analysis, my analysis, I think explains a lot of what's gone on over the last four and a half years. But absolutely, there are factions. There is still a, a very strong uh, skeptic faction within government. There's a different fact faction within government that seriously small but they're there mm -hmm. and, and lou and i to a certain extent have talked about this that thinks this is demonic and that therefore you shouldn't engage with it because it it feeds it and gives it energy so government seldom speaks with one voice and moves in a single direction on any issue and on this ufo issue um i i, I think it's it's extremely divided there are factions you're right and they are often pulling in different directions very few people in my experience are, are evil nobody's mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of the demonization of government and very you know a lot of people are misguided a lot of people are overly secretive a lot of people are secretive for very good reasons but very few people are like some sort of cackling james bond villain mm -hmm. kind of devising some sort of super plot that's going to kill large numbers of people. I mean, you know, for the most part, people doing their best, whether they're in the military, whether they're in government, whether they're in the intelligence community, whoever they are, they're doing their best to try and make the world a better place. Very often we disagree about how to do that. And I see a lot of things which are, I, I think, just plain dumb and, and you know, but, but there's very little evil. So when, when people look, when people demonize the government over the UFO issue and say these evil people are uh, behind a 80-year cover-up and conspiracy, I don't, don't see it like that. I mm -hmm. see it as factions. The government, people have different mm -hmm. beliefs on this as they have yep. different beliefs on almost every question you could think of. Exactly. And yeah, well said, Nick. And, and, and Eisenhower, he, he did warn because... It's yeah, all these people that seem like they may be these evildoers and uh, the bad people, the bad guys. Yes, we have people like that in the government, but they're not all like that. I used to, I know a bunch of them. But um, what happens is that this is just one. The military, military industrial complex is just one. And in Washington D.C. It's just one huge cog in the machine, and it's just this. It's this. It's this role, this uh, 
cannonball that's just rolling down the hill and it's getting larger and larger and larger, you know, the, or a rock slide that that's falling, sliding down a hill and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's almost like, and Eisenhower warned us, beware of the military industrial complex. And some people have speculations what he was actually talking about, but he's talking about what we're talking about now, I believe. And I believe after all these years of things that's been going on behind the scenes with the UFO phenomenon and everything else, it's just, we're hitting this brick wall now and everything. That's why it just, everything seems so crazy. Now, everything just seems out just in chaos and out of control. What's your thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I certainly agree with you about the, the, bureaucracy i guess the the monolith mm. that is the mil military industrial complex and of course you see time and time again people retire from positions senior positions in the military and they move on to the boards of some of these these defense corporations the the big manufacturers and and i guess money is at the the root of a, a lot of this the i come i come back to the point the average person sitting at their desk who is a subject matter expert on something is is generally a good person trying trying to do a a good job but but yeah the system the system itself takes on an identity over and above the individual sometimes and it is it's like the amount of inertia in the system is is staggering i mean it it has a a, a sort of it a momentum all of its own but it's conversely sometimes it's very difficult to change so it's it can seem contradictory but i think when you've like you and i albeit in different areas and different nations but when you've when you've worked in it you you kind of have this feeling that at the end of it i think george orwell wrote about this very well in in one of his lesser known novels coming up for for air where he said it's like it's like you've been caught up in a big machine and suddenly sometimes for no apparent reason, the machine just spits you out and, you know, you wash up somewhere. And it's like that sometimes. I don't know if, if that resonates with you, but it does. It does to me sometimes. It's like the, this mach the machine of government and, and it takes on and it's sometimes the whole is greater than the sum of its, its parts. And, and we saw that we saw that with COVID, of course, and and mm. we we saw that, you know, with some other issues, too. And it's it's like, you know, it's I don't know, it's frustrating. It is. It's because, very frustrating because people try and make a difference. People people take an issue like UFOs, and they say, "I want to bring this out of the shadows and into the light." And then you suddenly realize that it's not that simple. That there are all sorts of factions and players and interests and and there's a backstory that that it's 80 years old. Just like Richard Dolan's case, I've heard Richard Dolan say many times, uh, whenever he back in the 80s or early mid 90s, maybe he was he was going through grad school or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, and he was he he wasn't going to jump into the UFO subject full time. He was just going to write a book and try to just write everything down in one book. And little did does he know that it led to a, a lifetime of research. <laughs> and it's just like we were talking about. It's it's so much to just gather and to try to decipher and to 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 know because with one little thing that's happened in the past with this subject, just one one case or anything or one thing within that one case branches. And then yeah. it's one huge spider web. You know what I mean? And, and one of my favorite catchphrases in all of this is to point out that the skeptics have to be right every day, but the believers only need to be right once. And I think that's, that's another thing that keeps me engaged on this subject. You just never know. None of us could really have predicted. Well, maybe a few could. Few would have suspected what would happen with with December 2017 and the New York Times and ATIP and the US Navy videos. And well, my point is, you never know 
what's going to come suddenly and unexpectedly from left field. So we've we've talked about some of the things happening in in Congress over the next few few months moving forward. But if you ask me my prediction for the most interesting thing, I suspect the answer is something that nobody's thought of yet. Something that's just going to one moment you'll you'll log on your computer tomorrow morning and there'll be a story and you'll be like, "Wait a minute." It's it's kind of exciting, right? It, yeah. It, it, just like December 2017, because I didn't even know, and I was going to interview Richard Hoagland, and he's like, "Michael, whatever you had, scratch it. We we got to talk about this." I'm like, and it, it hit me like a like a brick wall. I'm like, "Where did where was I at?" You know, and just like you said, we we could wake up and we might have an alien on the White House. <laughs> Who knows? Because we live in strange times, Nick. <laughs> we certainly do. But Nick, man, this was very fascinating. This was a treat, an honor, a privilege to have you on the show. I really mean that. And where can people uh, find you, social medias, books, and everything else, websites? My website is nickpope.net. And my Twitter, which is the social media platform I use most, is nickpopemod which stands for Ministry of Defense. So Nick Pope, M-O-D. Nick, like I said, treat, honor, privilege, and you have a good evening. You too. I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you.